Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. I asked the script, what do you want me to do? I don't kind of go, this is what I want, and let it tell me what it is. And that's how you can always be okay in this acting thing. You don't have to worry about repeat performances. If a different spirit is writing the script, it's going to bring out a different spirit within you. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of In the Envelope Testing. One, two, three. Here I am in my closet. You joining me for another episode of In the Envelope, another deep dive interview with another brilliant talent. The voice you just heard is that of now two-time Academy Award nominee, Daniel Kaluuya. Listen, I'm just going to get really real. I'm going to get real with you all now. I think there is no one on this guy's level, like on (laughs) an acting on a craft, on a on a level of reacting and responding on camera, on a level of immersion into the character, physical acting, in the moment acting, Daniel Kaluuya is, I don't want to say peerless. I mean, I just, I do think that there are only probably a handful of actors who could really genuinely speak to him about the craft of acting on his level. As you'll hear in this interview, I was so stunned. I mean, minutes in, he was saying things I've never heard about the craft of acting and speaking really truthfully about his own processes, even when sometimes I think it's almost really hard to articulate what he does. And he kind of does a great, he does an amazing job of bringing his subconscious to his subconscious methods and procedures of constructing a character to life here. We're so thrilled to have him. I mean, what an amazing, successful actor. You may know him, of course, from Get Out was his first Oscar nomination, his big breakout. Depending on where you count his breakout, he was in Skins as a teenager, which is a famous British TV show. Side note, a lot of American audiences are surprised to learn that Daniel Kaluuya is British because he has an impeccable American accent and plays lots of American roles, like in Sicario, Black Panther. Maybe you've heard of Black Panther. We talked about Widows and Queen and Slim a little bit. But he's now nominated for supporting actor for Judas and the Black Messiah, where he plays the assassinated Black Panther activist and uh, chairman of that movement's Chicago chapter, Fred Hampton, who was assassinated at age 21, which this movie details. This movie is from writer-director Shaka King, who we have a wonderful Meet the Maker feature on. Shaka King now double nominated for the Oscar. This movie was nominated in six top Oscar categories. It's amazing. Um, I have here, quote, untitled Fred Hampton project cast background work on Backstage, which of course is very exciting for us. It's cool to see that that didn't have a name yet. Also, what a great name they ended up with, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, it's great. So we'll link to that Meet the Maker. Um, Do stay tuned after this interview for Backstage Casting Insider, Christine McKenna-Torella's update for Working Actors. 
which uh, this week, as all weeks, is super, super informative. And uh, without further ado, we are going to take a quick break and hear from the stunningly good Daniel Kaluuya. This episode of Backstage's In the Envelope is brought to you by Judas and the Black Messiah. Nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Judas and the Black Messiah is the story of Black Panther chairman Fred Hampton, played by Oscar-nominated Daniel Kaluuya, and FBI informant William O'Neill, played by Oscar-nominated Lakeith Stanfield. For your consideration, Warner Brothers' Judas and the Black Messiah is in theaters now. Daniel Kaluuya is now a two-time Academy Award-nominated actor for his breakout in Get Out, and now for playing Black Panther chairman Fred Hampton in Warner Brothers' Judas and the Black Messiah, which has also earned him a SAG Award nomination and Golden Globe. The London-born stage and screen star is also known for Skins, Black Mirror, Sicario, Black Panther, Widows, and Queen and Slim. Here is the brilliant Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel, hi. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good. How are you? Good. Were you just doing something with the SAG Awards? Is it, yeah, 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 is it doing... a secret? Yeah. No, it's like a portrait. Like, I think, you know, they're just taking pictures oh, of cool. all the nominees. So it's just that. Very cool. Um, congratulations on your SAG nomination and your Oscar nomination and your, your Globe and all of the success for, your, for this film. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I can't wait to talk about it. There's so, so obviously, we are backstage this podcast and we are all about the craft and career advice, you know, the inner craft know-how. And I do feel like Chairman Fred must be the perfect opportunity to talk about your, your craft and your acting. How did you approach this character? I mean, how, this, this real life person character, what did you do differently this time? Are there things that you do for every role to prepare for every role or is it completely starting from scratch every time? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd read the script every day. Like if I'm like two weeks or... Hmm. A bit more than two weeks, I'll just read the script every day, set aside, read the script every day. And then I would um, do this exercise where write everything someone says about you, write everything you say about yourself, oh. write everything you say about someone else and write the facts. Like the facts mm. are like, if a character had a brother, he has a brother, he has mm. a grandma. Any facts that are in the script, write those down. And then how I kind of see it is that your character lives in what you say about yourself or what someone says about you. Mm. So I have to signal both. Mm-hmm. So then it just, in that sense, it just it instantly makes it more layered. So I did bring all that to, to this. However, it was just because uh, I'd never played a real life person on screen uh, before. Mm-hmm. I played it, I did it, I've done it in a play. So it was just like a, hmm. it was how I see it is that you create, in when it's a fictional character, you create the target and you create the boundaries. While when it's oh, a cool. real person, you are, you inherit that. So mm. um, it's it, it, you can kind of sometimes feel like it's less creative, but it's that thing where you just have to make something in a uh, in a tight spot. And actually, it's not boundaries; it's guides. It's like it's telling you this is the truth. This is make this decision instead of going. The process is about me making the right decision. It's about the process is about me listening to what the right mm. decision is. That's so fast. That's so spot on. Um, is it true that it's like? Do you also have to invent for, for every time the script does not have a detail and you want to fill it in? Do you, are you creating backstory? No, I just lean on the facts. 
I layer the facts. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, sometimes I used to do backstory and I just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, because uh, I just like, you are your backstory. So oh, I was just cool. like, if I'm, I am my backstory, you're not aware of your backstory. You know, it's just you are that. So that's the yeah. facts. You kind of layer on the facts. And so your backstory is your decisions you make. The backstory mm-hmm. is the, what you, how you choose to say your backstory. And you can, I can may like, I may like, in order to say a certain line a certain way, I go, why, why does this person do that? And create a backstory to justify that line. Mm-hmm. But it's the, I just use the script as opposed to make something else alongside the script. Cause that's just me creating something new. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, this going off of that, this is maybe a big question, but do you think of yourself as the character? Like how much of a uh, distinction, how much of a separation is there between you and your characters? And maybe, maybe this is different for just Jeremy Fred. I think there's an element that you, you, um, you find, you come to the character and you, you mm-hmm. find, um, because you're using yourself. Um, mm-hmm. what else I saying is like, I'm using who I am to show you who I'm not. Oh, wow. So it's, it's that. So you kind of are finding elements of yourself that you connect with in order to show who you mm-hmm. are not because you, you're not in that environment. You haven't made that decision. You don't come from that place. You're not speaking that way, mm-hmm. but I, it's all from me. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, it's how I see it. That's so beautiful. That's like my, this is the nerdiest actress stuff that of course we'd love to hear. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm a geek. I'm a bit of a geek, like, but I don't even realize that I'm a geek. Like, I'd probably like do, I, I like, I'll go in a cave and like, I just shut myself away for yeah. three, four weeks and I'll do that. But like, I, I like, I don't know. I just think of things. Yeah. Well, I think that's always a sign of a, of a great actor. I almost want to ask like, where does this all come from? Like take me back to the very beginning. I know that you had children improv theater was, is it safe to say that was kind of a big part of your foundation, your background in this, in this craft? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Improv improvisation was um, how I got, into it doing it on the weekends and Fridays for like three years. So I didn't really look at a script until cool. I was like 16. And I started when I was 13. But there was also writing. Yeah. I used to write as a kid. I used to write as a, like, I write plays when I was nine. Hmm. And I got performed at Hearts of Fear. And then, then when I was 16, I got back into playwriting. But I used to write plays in the sense that I would think them up and tell the actors how it would be. Hmm and use it that way because I come from a divisive place like it was you would think of the idea and the idea would be fully formed then you go yeah do that do that and you want the actor to bring new ideas and then I would write it Mm -hmm. down only because like the lighting person needs the cue or this and that I would write it down in that sense so but like I feel like creating with someone is writing so the typing is just the documentation cool yeah 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 and that's the same with improv. Like you are creating material. You're just maybe not necessarily writing it down. every, every Yeah. Day. That's why it's a, it's a bit. So improvisation is a creative art. Well, acting, I feel is an interpretive art. You know, okay. it's, 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 I feel like for me, it feels like a friend said that to me. It's like, it's two different disciplines. Hmm. And like, and like, so you're, you're, you're creating a character. You're creating a life, creating a world. However, you're interpreting hmm. what is, what is already there. Well, in improv, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. You just go in there, you got to make something up and then you right. interpret what you make by through the scene whilst doing it. Mm-hmm. And this all kind of informs your acting craft today. Like, do you, do you see yourself using those fundamental skills? 
Yeah, because I always add a line here and there. And if a scene doesn't make sense, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Okay, yeah. I just go, I just go, not even like, I'm just saying this doesn't make sense. You know the character, you're the authority on that character. So if you see something doesn't make sense in the script, you're going to say something. I'm just coming from a very logical space. I'm like, if I do yeah. this like that, why am I doing that? It's not only the line, it's not the, blo- yeah, it, it works for the camera, but I'm like, it doesn't work for the mood. Like it doesn't, it's going to look, it's, I can't, how do yeah. I say the next line? It's just, I come from a very logical, like, in the real world, would this make sense? Because characters don't know they're in the film. Yeah. So I go, this is for the shot. And I was like, well, I don't, I can't care. My craft is to care about the shot, but as in terms of making sense of the line, the shot isn't in consideration. Isn't in consideration. So, and I'm saying you, like I do like perform for the camera. I do do that, but I want always to feel like the character is not aware that the camera is there. It's like a fine line. It's kind of like Lakeith does it a lot in a lot of his performances that I've seen where mm. he kind of like, he's basically, and I do it a bit in Get Out, but he did it more in Get Out where he's like showing, like, so you say in Judas, like Lakeith is showing you, you and the audience know that he's lying, but he has yeah. to go in the, in the scene and actually make people feel he's telling the truth as gotcha. well as signaling to the audience he's lying. That's like a pronounced, amplified version of what an actor does yeah. on set. Because you have to signal to the audience, but also come from complete truth so that you don't lose the audience while you're signaling them. Yeah, that weighing the, it sort of goes back to what you were saying about like writing about, uh, what did you say? Write, I write statements about myself and then I write statements about what other people think of me as this character. Yeah, yeah it's like decisively, <laughs> decisively ambiguous. That's how I call it. It's like, I'm going to say a line and I, and I mean this. However, it's interpreted about that. So then, then, then you make a decision on tone. So you're saying it with that with that meaning, but your tone is off. You know what I'm saying? So that person's receiving it at that. And if the tone is off receiving it, then you understand that person listens to tone that doesn't listen to words. So they're triggered. You know what I mean? It's just oh my God. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of that happening. You know what I mean? Decisively and but this is not this is not something that I like. I say it in interviews, but it's not something that I like I'm conscious that I'm doing. This just, just makes sense no. to me. You know what I'm saying? It's not like oh, I'm doing this prep, prep, prep. I'm just like, this just makes sense. Right. Yeah. You know? And that, yet, like you said about the backstory too, we as people are not walking around constantly thinking about our backstory. It is subconscious. It is subtext. We are, we are, we are reacting to our backstory. You know what I'm How I'm yeah, deciding yeah, yeah. to respond to you just now is connected to something I have seen or something I have experienced in a similar yeah. interaction. That is the backstory. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and like very few people are just present and just reacting from that space. Yeah. You know I mean? Is it the, it's almost, is it the distinction between acting and reacting? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's like, but I see it's more as responding. Okay. If it, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, kind of like, yeah. it's, I think, I, I think my, my job is to listen mm-hmm. and, and not to hear, but to actually listen. Yeah. So when you listen, you, your cells change. If you listen, if someone, if you had an idea, if someone like say Dominique yeah, is in a scene and she flipping, mm-hmm. says a line to me, yeah there's a line to me in rehearsal and I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. Okay. And then I respond to it. If she decides in the heat of the moment of a take and changes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I say it the, the way I in a rehearsal, I'm not listening. No. Right. 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 Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and, then, totally. and I may, I may decide to change it to, to, to do it in a similar way or that kind of vein, but it's like that, that like, that's another layer of the, the like drafting process essentially kind of go, all right, cool how you're adding yeah. the emotion and it's, are you present to what that person is giving you? Totally. 
Totally. And are there times where you feel that you, you aren't listening and like, how do you then get back into it? Like, are there times when you feel like, oh, I just did that take like the rehearsal and not in the moment? And sometimes the rehearsal is great. So like, sometimes I yeah. do it like that, but it's about, it's about, it's about, yeah, there is times I get in my head, I get in my mm-hmm. head and um, very few times, very few times. And I'm very, I'm blessed because like, cause I come from improv. I like, I do kind of abandon and forget about stuff. But sometimes right. when, the, when there's a lot happening and there's a lot of, when there's usually when you basically you're in a space and no one's, there's no one there to protect the outside pressure of it, you know? And like, you're basically like, everyone's putting like kind of the weight onto you. And sometimes you can kind of, ah, um, sure. you kind of can't be clear, but then I just, you know, just lean on, I just breathe and stay present and like, mm-hmm. listen, I just go, am I listening? Am I listening? Just listen. And then just all go through the lines by myself and just go through the lines or record myself audibly or record myself mm. visually and like just go, all right, cool, just stay present. Mm-hmm. Just keep it pushing. And looking at yourself visually, and you mentioned um, you think about the camera itself. Do you do you watch uh, each take? Do you watch the dailies? Like how much are you paying attention to yourself in the frame? I do not watch takes. Okay. I only, I don't watch playback. I only watch stunt playback because I want to get it right. And usually okay. those things hurt. And I think it's just a technical standpoint. I don't want to contribute to the culture that I am in a film. Like right. I, I'm like, because I'm just like, I'm, I'm not in a film, I'm a person. Yeah. So okay. like, and also if I trust a director, I trust a director. I don't, I, yeah. I don't think it's like being like looking at the playback. It's, I don't feel like it's any of my business. I'm there to stay cool. present and go and be unaware of that. And then, and then go, what do you think? And then speak about that. But I I'm coming from internally. What does it feel as opposed mm-hmm. to externally? What does it look like? I love that. Yeah. Well, and this touches on everything you just talked about, but do you think about physicality? Like on this podcast, people have talked about an outside in approach of, it can also be makeup and costuming, but like, do you think about, your characters walk and talk. I of course want to ask you about Chairman Fre- about mastering the speeches of Chairman Fred, for example. I, I do change weight with every job. Like I do change oh, weight sure. because because I am um, for me it's like I want to feel hmm. the energy and I, I feel that's part of the storytelling as well. How you, your body looks, how your hair looks, how everything. So then, like, the minute you change your weight, the walking takes care of itself. The physicality takes care of itself. I don't have to think about it. If I've moved weight, if I've moved, yeah. I'm like, or not even that, if I can be in, if even if I'm going to save weight, I've just decided that this is the one. So then it just takes care of itself. So if I'm gaining weight for Chairman Fred and I'm doing deadlifts, I'm eating more, and this is that and the other, I've got a bigger, like a more grounded, heavier energy, you walk differently. And I like, but that's to give the audience a subconscious indication of something that I felt consciously when I watched Chairman Fred's videos. Gotcha. It was like there was a, there was a, a was a weight there was a heaviness there was a presence, and then I wanted to bring that energy. So then, when you do that, then the physicality just sorts itself out because you can't move as you because you're physically not even you. So cool, that is so nerdy and cool. Oh my god, um, and you've spoken about this, of course, in in several interviews. But I I wanted to ask about your spe- you're playing someone who gives speeches. So of course you have to think about his voice. And you mentioned that filming a lot of those scenes where he gives these big rousing speeches felt more like theater than like film. 
Like, yeah. how did you uh, reconcile, again, this process of reconciling you and the differences between you and the character? How much of it are you trying to do imitation? How much of you are, like, training? I know you did opera training for this role. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I did a lot of conditioning with the opera training. I did uh, worked a lot with um, just to engage my diaphragm and to condition my vocal cords because it's, like, it's, it's actually more intense than the play because... In a play, you do like a two-hour, three-hour play, whatever your vice is. And then like, but this is like you're doing it for 12 hours. Wow, yeah. So, so it's not like, <laughs> no one does speeches for 12 hours. Like, so, <laughs> so it's that thing where, and so I had to be peace with the fact I'm going to lose my voice, but I can't ruin yeah. my voice. Yeah. So I, I, like I had to protect it and I had to condition it. So I did that. Hmm. And then, yeah, I, I, am, I'm, I am in a play. Like, is that like how I say the demands and just a different kind of performance. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, mm. in a sense that like, I don't know, I really, I got really inspired by when I was on Sicario mm-hmm. by Emily and Benicio and Josh and how small they made it. Yes. It blew my mind. It, like, it was like, a, it blew my mind. I was like, they're doing nothing. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it was a real education on film acting that show. And so I kind of carried that on to get out and, and it's something I was playing with, but I really, carried it on and wanted to kind of lean on it with widows and all that stuff. But mm. this is like, you're doing everything, yeah. you know, and, and you're going against the tendency to give less so the audience can lean in. Yeah. And, but you realize you've got to just give everything. And, right. and as long as it's, it's rooted in truth, then the audience will lean in is mm. how I feel. And also it's the words that command that level of energy. So it's not even like I could even do it any other way how I see it. Yeah. Cause you are speaking the actual, the exact words of the exact speeches that he gave. Right. Um, in the, I am revolutionary. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying yeah. the exact words. And so that's, of course, that goes back to what you're saying about like the script is King. That's what, that's what really guides you. I just listen to the words. I, I ask the script, what, you, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Cool. I, I don't kind of go, this is what I want. You know what I'm saying? Especially if totally. I love a script, I don't go, what do you, what do you want from me? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I go, I let, I let it tell me what it is. And that's how you can always be okay in this active thing. You don't have to worry about repeat performances. If a, if a different spirit is writing a script, it's going to bring out a different spirit within you, even if it's similar. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I see the guy from Get Out and the guy from Queen of Slim are quite similar. You know what I'm ah, saying? Okay. But because it's coming from a different place, they feel different. Yes. And it's like, if I went there with like, oh, this is what I want, for me, that would make me feel, that would make it more similar. This episode of Backstage's In the Envelope is brought to you by Judas and the Black Messiah. Nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Judas and the Black Messiah is the story of Black Panther chairman Fred Hampton, played by Oscar-nominated Daniel Kaluuya, and FBI informant William O'Neill, played by Oscar-nominated Lakeith Stanfield. For your consideration, Warner Brothers' Judas and the Black Messiah is in theaters now. I've never heard this idea of collaborating with the script, like asking the script what it is that is asked that's, of you. I spent, that's why I spent so much time. I told you I'm reading the script every day. That's why I'm right. driving through the script. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm spending time with it because sometimes uh, the filmmaker that's not aware of what their subconscious is saying in the script sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like finding Definitely. those spots and like leaning in because you're going to have to li- live in it in the script and like live in it in a certain way and and move that you've lived in it for like 30 years that you've been here and yeah. this is what it is. You know what I mean, so I would go towards it. 
I would go towards it and and let and allow it to tell me what to do with the director. That's so beautiful. Yeah, well, so that was sort of my next question was like, how, what was the collaboration with Shaka King like? Because you must be able to bounce ideas off of him. And was there also this, that situation you mentioned about improvising lines and adding stuff? Yeah, there was a couple couple lines here and there, and you add a couple things. I mean, like it was working with Shaka was incredible because. Um, He's so collaborative, you know, and it, you, mm. you present something and he's so open, you know, like a, it's not a personification of strong opinions loosely held. And so mm. you can really build with someone like that. You mm -hmm. know so you're like, oh, like this, that, and oh, this, like, and like he really guided me with Chairman Fred and saying, yo, let's go here and let's do this and giving me the reading list, ask for the reading list or <laughs> making me like for four days and sitting down with him sitting down with him and actually saying the speeches and just pushing me in. Mm. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? It was like the most, because you can be in your head about it, you know? You can be in your head like, how would I do it? You've got to just say it and you've got to say it in front of people you don't really know. And yeah, he, he really um, he really guided me throughout the whole process. And I just leaned on him on, on the set. I was like, yo, please be honest, man. If my voice is off, if I'm going off, please be honest. I'm not sensitive right. in that way. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not, it's not me here. We're telling a story. So I want it to be the best version of itself. Mm -hmm. so. Or the truest version of itself. Mm -hmm. And does that go for your kind of co-stars too? You mentioned that there's quite a bit of rehearsal with Dominique and with Lakeith. Yeah, we did a rehearsal with Lakeith. We did a rehearsal with Keith, but uh, um, Dominique couldn't really come to the rehearsal. Mm. So we sat down. Um, we, we would talk because she was working. We was talking on the phone, speaking about the character, speaking about the relationship. Mm. There's a lot of conversations and a lot of uh, collaborations. And, you know, it's, um, Sure. So we did like, quite a bit of rehearsals between me and the Keith, yeah. And of course, meeting Fred Hampton Jr. and um, his mother, how did that impact? Did that change course at all? Did that kind of just inspire you? Like, how did that help contribute to constructing this person? It just felt right. Mm -hmm. It just felt that the, the real thing to do is to have them involved. Mm -hmm. And I can see that the, the, the film is much richer for that richer for that um for their input and more truer for their input and um sure. and yeah yeah that that goes back to what you're saying about like once you're in an environment where you know that there's no ego you can trust each other you can call each other out if something's not working getting their blessing must have been the real green light for that yeah it, it was um it was what was we wanted to happen you know mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. so we just didn't feel comfortable doing it without without their without their involvement because we sure. it's not even it's, it's, yeah it's a blessing but also we partnered up with them and they it mm -hmm. really um, elevated the story and elevated the script. It's so cool. It's really really cool, and it's so cool to hear about everything you kind of consume. You mentioned all the reading. Uh, were there things that you did in the lead up to filming this that were not related to? I'm always fascinated by this idea of what inspires you normally that maybe doesn't have a direct impact on constructing a character. Is it true you watch a lot of movies? Do you read a lot of other books? Like what inspires you in general? One of my fun things to do is find a random thing that I can go, oh, that makes sense. I've never really seen that in film. It's like, so like Widows is really inspired by a video mm. where um, Beanie Siegel is watching PD Crack rap that I watched when I was 16, 15 on worldstarhiphop.com. Oh, wow. It was like that, that whole rapping scene was, Beanie Siegel was really close and that inspired me. But I, it was not like, I had that idea when Steve said, yo, make him uncomfortable. That just came to mind. Right. You know, it's always like, I just live my life <laughs> and I, I take in and, 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 and taking the things that speak to me. 
Exactly. And I, not with an agenda of like, I want to use it. It's just like, it makes me happy. It speaks to me. It, 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 I find it interesting. I find out more about myself mm-hmm. with it. You know, I, I, I learn about myself with it. I'm like, why am I fascinated by this? And then like, and I just store it. And then sometimes it would just come up in the process. Oh yeah, it's like this. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like that. Totally. And then I just, and I just do it like that. Side note, that scene that you're talking about in Widows, your performance in Widows is one of the scariest screen performances I've ever seen. Oh, wow. It gives me, I mean, I, I just get chills thinking about it and you, you use your eyes. I mean, talk about physical acting. You barely had any lines in that movie, right? Yeah. I didn't really have a lot of lines. No. (laughs) (laughs) It was um, wild. This is all, you just dove right in with this nitty gritty acting craft stuff. I can't thank you enough. This is so perfect. Can I ask you about career stuff in general? Because looking at your resume and looking at the way that you've kind of said, oh, this, I started working with this collaborator because they saw this random screen project or this random screen project. But I wanted to ask, is it true that you first met Lena Waithe because you you reached out to her to say, I'm a fan? Yeah, I, I, I saw her at an event um, mm. for Get Out and she was there and it was before The Shy came out and I'd read the pilot of The Shy and I just walked up to her and said, I'm a fan of your work. You're amazing. Mm. I think you're really, I think you've got a great voice. And we spoke and we chopped it up. And, and yeah, so, and, and then we met up a few months later. And then she said, I got the script. <laughs> so it was, it was just like that. That's how I, I sat down with her. I, just, I, always, I, I always want to tell people, if I'm a fan of them, I, I like saying them. Right. And that, I mean, the reason I ask is because it's, uh, we talk so, we, so often with actors on this podcast and what they can do to advance their careers. And in general, it is like turn in great work in any number of different projects because you never know who's going to see those. But that's such a great example of like you, you were proactive and you reached out and you did it from a place of honesty, like you genuinely admired her work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just genuinely admired it. And then it just yeah. brought fruits and it brought fruits. So I just... I don't know. I just, I just see, I just keep it real. And then like, if someone, I love someone, I tell them I, I love their work with no agenda. If, with I, no if agenda. I love someone, if, if I love someone's work, I sit down with them. I go, I love your work. I think you're interesting yeah. with no agenda. And then like, we'll see what happens. We'll see what doesn't. It's like, it's usually, it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't end up into anything, but I'm like, if I feel yeah. a moment, I've got to speak to this person. I'll reach out. And, and if it's like going to a pressure cooker point, I mean, so, and then uh, Mm -hmm. just move like that. Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, we're all about the early career advice. Like what, what else do you tend to tell actors who are just starting off, off, like, of course, reaching out to people. That's, that's a great tip and turning in great work, of course, is great advice. Um, What do you generally tend to tell people? Just like keep doing it. You know, I feel like a lot of time this kind of game, you kind of, you feel like going to auditions uh, waiting for the feedback of auditions or is, um, is doing it. I just don't think it is. I think gotcha. telling the story is doing it, you know? So it's like, whatever it is, whether it's sketch, like I used to do sketch, like online videos back in the day, like whether it's mm-hmm. a sketch show, sketch idea, whether it's short film, whether it's getting like, you're telling a story from beginning to end. Like you're mm-hmm. getting the hours in of your actual job. All the auditions, all that stuff is to, to facilitate you doing your job. Gotcha. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like practicing being a great in a job interview, but are you great at the job? Yeah. Like, have you done the hours in the job? So I just didn't wait for the, in- like I was getting jobs in the industry, but I was doing other stuff with my friends and making stuff right. with my friends and like building with that and just getting that, playing around. Cause sometimes it is game time in these big jobs. 
but I, I need to have played, a, like I did a short film like two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, it was two years ago. I did a short film just before I shot Hampton. So it's um, mm. shot Judas. I did a short film and then like, and I just, you know, like I, I just did it. Like and I played around and like wrote it, <laughs> do it to friends and, and we just did it. Like, it, as, like so because I just still want to do it. I still want to play. Like yeah. I don't want to, because then I'm, I feel more confident when I'm on, in the big games. You know, so right. that's how I see it. Like, um, so it's like getting, getting with friends and do it like, and like, and look around you. Don't always look up because the people that are, are, oh. you perceive as up are busy. So it's harder to build with them, you know? So look I always around looked around you. me. I always yeah. looked around me. I worked, I built with people around me. I didn't, I didn't go, I want to be accepted. I'm like, I accept the people around me. Yeah. And we're, and we're the, and we're the wave as opposed to, oh, please let me in. Yeah, I don't like asking people to, to let me in. Sure. Well, it sounds like I mean, you auditioning is uh, not your favorite thing. It's not your main focus. As no, an actor. no, no. <laughs> I tell you, it's not though. I love an audition though. I found it fun. It, it's what I'm trying to say. It's like I found it fun. Yeah. I'm just saying I found it fun because I was doing it. Yeah. It's like it was an opportunity. I was like, oh, see, it's like a class. I was like, oh, it's an opportunity to do it. Cool. Yeah. But I didn't. I'm. I'm saying I'm not only doing it in the audition. Exactly. Yeah. I'm doing it. And I'm all these, all these short films, I'm not getting paid for these things. Of course. Right. I'm just doing them. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, a lot of time I'm putting, I'm making a loss. But yeah, absolutely. It. So it's You're, like, it's, it's like, passion. It's, it's just, I'm doing it. So like when I'm in an audition, I'm in a mindset, I'm like, I'm doing this as opposed to I'm trying to get a job. You're all about the craft and you're certainly not about making auditions like the be all and end all of your creativity and of your success. It just isn't the be all and end all. Yeah. It just, it, it, and I get it with certain people in certain places, it is like getting an audition and getting that break. I like, I identify right. that. I've been there, I know it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but it's like, I'm just, it, if you look at it clearly and factually, it's like, how, how do you make sure that you're the best version of yourself when you're walking into the audition? And I, I, I found that for me is that I, mm. the fact that like, I do this way more than I do it in here. I do, I act way more than I do it in this room. Right. Right. I do that. I, I tell story. I tell bigger, like, if you want to get strong, you're going to like, and you want to do like, I don't know, 12 reps. If you want to get good at playing 12 reps of bicep curls, like you're going <laughs> to do 14. So when it's game time, you do 12 is easy. Yes. Okay. If that is, like, it's like, it's that, it's that like, I always go, what's the hardest space? And I'm doing a hard space. So this audition, um, it makes me right size the audition. And the audition is just, it's just an opportunity to help. It's what George Clooney says, or I think Brian Cranston. I can't remember which one. It's like it's an opportunity yes. to help them solve a problem because mm-hmm. they have a problem and you help them solve it. And then if you just give everything, yeah, they may not get that role because you're not right. It's not like it's not right, but it's that thing that they'll remember you because yes. you came with energy. You wanted to help, help. You wanted to serve. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's like that Malcolm Gladwell thing. It's like you're you're not actually going up against as many people as you think you are. So I'm saying there's only a very few amount of people that like can really physically do that mm. job that you're auditioning for. So mm-hmm. I always used to have that mindset. I was like, oh, like going up against probably four people. Yeah. Two of them, one of them's working. You go and get three or two, another person. So you're like, cool, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Like as I, I can make, I definitely can make an impact, like, and go and make an impact. Let them remember me. So yeah. if there's another opportunity, yeah. they will call my phone. I don't know. That's how I used to see it. Definitely. And also j- the, as you said earlier, like, desperation does not help and like come in with an energy that's not desperation i love this idea of like just going to do it just to act i just wish i would that's what i'm saying audition i was so happy i got to act yeah and i was got to have fun and i would just do it and i play around and i 
comedies, flip him, like directors and cast directors, and like be like, I'm too, like trying to make them laugh or like doing what you want or like make them uncomfortable. Like it was fun to sure. like because yeah. it's an audience and there's an audience that's listening. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's just like let's have. I just went there, have fun, had a vibe, and I just left. Yeah, you know I mean? and, just, and then like they cool, they cool. If they don't, they don't. Totally. Yeah. God, we love we love hearing that. Um, thank you. Uh, can I ask you what is one performance you think every actor should see and why? Film, TV, maybe something you've seen recently. Wow. <laughs> it's the it, this is a tough one. I'm gonna just say it because I'm just gonna speak my truth. Uh, I'm gonna just say it because it's the first one that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Walken and King of New York. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very free man. Mm. <laughs> he's very free. Like, I kind of see him like, he's like, he's like the Snoop Dogg of acting. It's like, there's no one that sounds <laughs> like him. There's no one that's like him. It's totally. so unique. So out yeah. there. There's certain moments in it, in the dinner scene. And he sort of a dinner scene and he processes the motion. He has a joke. He has a joke. He's taking in the joke. He, fa- he finds the joke funny. Then he still finds it. He's about to prepare to say it. Then he says it. Mm. It's like, that's, you can't, he's present. You can't think of doing that, that he's just there. Mm. And he's so confident in his craft that it's just there. That's the one that like, that's the kind of performance like last year. Cause I watched a film a day last year in the pandemic. But then that was a performance. I was like, right, this guy is on the next planet. Like, that's so and I cool. just, that, that was like, but it was just so unique. And I just was so inspired that he, mm he was brave and courageous enough to just really open his thought process to the audience. Mm. That is a really great answer. It really, that's such a callback to everything you were saying about like how to embody a character in the moment. Yeah. 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 And cause he's like, also as well, it could be a point where he did that. And obviously a director could just like cut it, do you know what I'm saying? And just like figure it out, cut around it. Do you know what I'm saying? But like seeing totally. that you just saw, you saw so much about his character just in that those moments when he didn't speak mm. and it was it was just get, his thought process to get a joke get to a joke mm. I, just, I just thought that was um yeah that that stuff like that really um really speaks to me yeah beautiful gosh thank you so much daniel this is all so wonderful um do you have thank any you. any parting words of wisdom for your fellow working actors listen to yourself and know yourself mm. Mm. What a perfect note to end on. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time. And again, congratulations on your Oscar nomination and all of the success for this wonderful, wonderful film. Thanks so much, man. And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Hi guys, Christine McKenna-Torella here. One of the most interesting innovations this year from Hollywood has been the decision by Warner Media, the parent company of HBO Max, to release new movies in the cinema and on the HBO Max app at the same time. And I don't know about you, but I find it thrilling, right? Don't get me wrong, I very much want to be back in the in the cinema. I want to have that collective movie going experience but right now you know a lot of cinemas are shut or seeing you know very limited views and and being able to see new premium movies in the comfort of my own home is amazing the one thing i want to point out is that movies like judas and the black messiah 
are on the app for 30 days after the initial release and then they go away again. So they're not on the app forever. So don't sleep on it. So either way, see it in the movies, see it on the app. It is absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend. It is moving and timely. And I'm not surprised that it is up for awards this season. As you guys know, I love theatre and I have cast projects from Broadway to regional and international tours. And I'll be honest, I have found it tough in the last week. We've just passed the year anniversary of what would be what's infamously known as the two week shutdown that has been more than a year. And you may have caught in the news that there is an action plan that's been released by American Actors Equity Association about how to get back to work and how Broadway needs to have some measures to get back to work. And in return, actors in the union wrote an open letter to the leadership of equity asking for more action and transparency about how they will actually get back to work. So if you haven't heard about this or you're feeling a bit overwhelmed about all of the details, in the next episode, I'm going to discuss the main points on both sides so you feel a bit more informed about the situation. But first, I wanted to kind of start the week on a high and let's talk about some of the upcoming theatre projects and the successes and insights we have from around the world. I'm going to cover Australia first because Australia is leading the way and that's partially to do with the low COVID cases in Sydney. So theatres in some areas of Australia are opening. A revival of the musical Pippin opened in November and shortly after that, Disney's Frozen reopened. Come From Away is playing in Melbourne's Comedy Theatre. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child opened at Princess Theatre in in February, sorry. And Hamilton has begun previews at the Sydney Lyric. So that makes Sydney the only city in the world with a live production of Hamilton right now. In an article for the Washington Post, the Australian producer of Harry Potter and Hamilton, Michael Castle, said, it comes down to sort of two bubbles we're dealing with. So one is the bubble of the company and keeping everybody who's on stage and backstage essentially isolated. And then the other is the bubble of the audience. And how they've been doing that breakdown, how they've been keeping everybody safe, theatres have worked closely with local health departments about safety measures. Cast and crew are regularly tested for coronavirus, as you would expect. They have QR codes so that all audience members check in in a sophisticated way of tracking for any outbreaks. And as with the case of Come From Away recently, the shows will shut down if there are local outbreaks of COVID in the area. So, so far it's been rather successful and it's very encouraging to see, you know, theatres open and back to work. So over in the UK, theatres are still dark. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber has been leading the way here uh, over in the UK, very vocal about how to get restarted. And he is he has an ambition of starting his new musical Cinderella next month in the hopes of opening in May. And a number of projects are planned to come back or have announced their return dates or opening dates. So Six will return to London's Lyric Theatre in May. So will everybody's talking about JMA um, at the Apollo Theatre. The play that goes wrong will resume performances in the Duchess Theatre in London June 18th. And Hairspray will also open in June, at the end of June in London Coliseum. July reopenings include Jersey Boys, The Prince of Egypt, and Anything Goes starring Megan Mullally. And the new Back to the Future musical will open in August after the delay, obviously being caused by COVID that didn't get to open in the, in the first place. 
I'm going to leave you with some good news about U.S. theatre. So that leads me to my casting calls and my casting highlights for today. We are seeing a lot of casting calls for commercial productions returning to the U.S., So the Public Theatre has announced that they are planning on having Shakespeare in the Park this summer and the production is The Merry Wives of Windsor. So check out the details of that on the site. Bay Street Theatre in Long Island is looking for actors for their 2021 season. And San Francisco Playhouse is also casting their 2021 season. So for all three of those casting calls, the details are on the site of of exactly the breakdowns for each play, musical, and role that they're looking for. And as always, there are hundreds of casting calls for every type of actor in every region on the site. So head over to Backstage.com to check these out. Next episode, which is out on Thursday, I will discuss the U.S. theater situation in more detail. But until then, break a leg in all your upcoming auditions and have a beautiful week. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.